and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. Today I'm going to talk about a volunteer who came to help weed in the New Jersey garden such as it is and the startling discovery he made. As regular listeners may remember, I spoke in Copake Falls, New York a few weeks ago and after talking about damage to the garden in New Jersey, a couple of the people who attended my lecture and workshop volunteered to come and help weed. I, I have to admit I was a little surprised. It hasn't happened before and I was pleased. It can be a little scary to have someone come to the garden not knowing their skill set, uh, but weeding currently doesn't take much more than willingness to work and work hard. I mean, sometimes I've had a few people who want to be interns, and sometimes it just slows me down so much because we're talking. <laughs> we're talking all the time. And also, they have to know which plant is a weed and which plant is a beloved individual. But under the current circumstances, the weeds are everywhere, and if it's got small flowers and it's tall, it should go. And frankly, there's really not that much of the old plants left and they're they're pretty obvious there there's a there was an azalea which is alive and it was completely covered with polygonum what people call mile a minute i've never had that before and now i know what it is it's it moves a mile a minute well last week brian mashaud drove down from albany new york that's like a two and a half hour almost a three hour drive to help weed for eight hours. He and Louis Bauer and I got a whole lot done. It, it was great to learn more about Brian, who is developing a beautiful garden on the site of his Greek Revival house, which he showed me pictures of on his iPad. Terrific. Uh, and his, his beautiful daughter, Emily. Well, as we walked around looking at plants, which of course we did, one that he noticed uh, just before he left, and one that almost everybody noticed and it gets the most attention, and frankly that's intentional, it's right in front of the house, I thought it would help slow down traffic, maybe it does, I don't know, they still drive pretty fast, it's the polonia, the empress tree, but I use it as a cutback in front of the house. Every year I cut this tree to a few inches above the ground. Then it produces new growth, and if I think these shoots, I, I cut these shoots so that I only have one growing, and the subsequent growth shoots up a few stories high with leaves up to two feet across. It, it's not that pretty, but it, it, it's a, a conversation piece and certainly gets a lot of attention. Well, a lot of people think that this kind of pruning is torture, and uh, there's a lot of controversy over it. This particular tree, the polonia tree, is a weed tree. It has beautiful flowers, frankly. They're like upside-down wisteria blossoms, and it gives it one of its common names, the foxglove tree. But uh, if I didn't let it prune and let it flower, it could become a real problem, as it is in a lot of places around the country, especially in, in the warmer parts of so southeastern Pennsylvania along the road and the highways. And because of the current changes in climate, I've seen a whole lot of it in Essex County in New Jersey on Route 24. Uh, five years ago, I didn't see that tree there. And it's very, very, very fast growing. It used to be sold... Uh, in the back of the Sunday supplement magazines, you know, uh, instant instant trees, and uh, and really, that's kind of true. But now it's hard to find. Uh, a friend of mine 
really wants this tree and uh, so I was determined to figure out how to propagate it and I know I could do it from root cuttings but the, the place that it's planted there's no way I can get a root cutting and uh, what one would do normally is dig up the entire tree and then take cuttings and that would pretty much kill the tree maybe maybe it could be saved by, be, by re, being replanted but the place I have it is covered with rock and Anyway, I'd need heavy machinery and I'm not going to do it. I tried cuttings, no good. And I would think something fast like this would be easy to propagate from cuttings. And then I tried air layering, and that didn't work. So finally I decided I had to find a, a tree that had fruit that I could get seeds from. And I thought Polonia, because of the flowers, was a member of the pea family, but it's actually not. And the fruits are little pods, and the seeds are tiny, which is a big surprise to me. They're about a sixteenth inch wide, and they're flat, and they have kind of a wing around them. And uh, I read a lot about how to propagate them, and I found this recipe that you mix them with dry potato flakes for for instant mashed potatoes and I get that it keeps them moist because they have to have light to germinate and they need to stay moist well they did germinate with the potato flakes and then they got damping off and rotted because potato flakes might be sterile in the box but they're yummy in the air so I tried my usual way of growing polony of growing seeds which was to sow them in this case on the surface and with a slight very light sprinkling of chicken grit or parakeet grit just little tiny gravel and uh, they came up pretty much right away I, I read someplace that if they're refrigerated and then sown they'll come up faster and it's true they did so they sprouted in about three weeks and I had various uh, successes and failures and I was doing it all fall and into the winter and that's really you know great they sprouted but then what they they didn't transplant too well. Spring came and everything worked. And now I have about 10 of these small trees. They're about five inches tall. And I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I'm going to figure that out because I, uh, you know, well, I'm like a hammer. If I see a nail, I just have to go for it. There's nothing I can do about it. For many gardeners, pruners and loppers and saws trigger the fear of uh, the fear of flight fear or flight response. Rather than thinking of promoting good growth and health, some people think of any cutting as an act of horticultural mayhem. We humanize pruning with phrases like tree surgery and refer to running sap as bleeding. Clipping a hedge may be a gardener's equivalent to a little off the side, so it might seem ruthless to su suggest major cuts for artistic effects. I grow several deciduous shrubs and a few trees that I call cutbacks, and these plants are subject, subjected to hard pruning. Coppicing or stooling and pollarding involve cutting woody plants back to old wood every year or two in late winter. In coppicing or stooling, plants are cut nearly, nearly to the ground so that there's a little stump resembling a stool, and that's all that's left, and that's what I do with the polonia. Then many new straight stems sprout quickly from dormant buds and grow up uh, into what resembles a coppice or, or a thicket or a grove of small trees. 
In pollarding, it's more of a sculptural form. The pruning is the same, but the trunk remains about four to six feet above the ground. And I'm sure you've seen this. You've probably seen it. There's a lot of it in California. The most common pollarded tree would be the London plane. Uh, sycamores can be pollarded too. Uh, most people hate it. I think it's very artistic and certainly, well, it's a living s sculpture. And the new growth is luxuriant usually, so they it's hard to describe, but they kind of look like uh, mop tops, kind of like uh, fuzzy lollipops. And in the winter, you see these gnarled stems, these gnarled branches that are short that come off the, the trunk. And again, people think this is torture and I think it can be really beautiful but I'm not I'm not talking about that right now I'm talking about coppicing or stooling and that encourages more new growth uh, for example brilliant stems for winter interest in the case of some of the shrub dogwoods and the shrub salix the willows uh, other plants react to hard pruning by pushing leaves that resemble the plant's juvenile growth, and that's the case of the of the polonia. The leaves grow large to gather as much light as possible, and in nature they do that in the shadows of the treetop canopy. Another goal is to grow those gnarled stubs that form years after plant after pruning, which is what they do with the which is what happens with pollarding. Not all plants can be coppiced or pollarded. The candidates include deciduous shrubs and trees, for the most part, that produce an abundance of dormant buds, almost an endless supply, year after year. And those are not prone to disease when pruned in this way. And the plants include the polonia and the London plain and catalpa and even red buds, cirsus and eucalyptus, a great candidate, hazel, willows and shrub dogwoods. Now these practices are, are not new. Uh, coppicing is an ancient agricultural means for managing a crop. Willows were cut back and still are to make slender stems to harvest for making baskets or woven wattle fences. And centuries ago trees were used as a renewable resource by being cut back annually. Trees for firewood could be cultivated as a harvestable, renewable crop from plants that did not have to be sacrificed for burning. So when hard pruning is carried out using sharp instruments and leaving clean cuts, uh, the plants can live for years. Actually, it can prolong their life. There are pollarded trees in France that are believed to be over 600 years old. So this is this is a way of making a tree into a renewable resource. It pushes new growth, which every year or every other year can be harvested for kindling or for when it's larger for firewood. And then the tree produces more and it's easy to harvest because it's low to the ground. Uh, pollarding trees, cutting them back to stems four to six feet high, may have come about so that land beneath the trees could be used for agriculture while the, while the wood above the cuts was grown for firewood. Pollarding was also used to create hedgerows and pastures and farms in Europe. The Dutch have pollarded willows for centuries along their canals. In England, holly and privet was used. Some fruit trees such as cherry and Damson, crabapple, and hazel 
were pollarded to produce heavy crops of easy-to-harvest fruits on low branches. Coppicing or pollarding could also be used in producing an abundant supply of material for propagating more plants. And amazingly, when I was visiting um, Cornell in Ithaca, they were stooling an oak tree, a special oak tree, and the new growth, they were able to use the new growth for cuttings. It's very hard to make cuttings of trees. It's mature, woody growth, and very few trees will yield successful cuttings. And oak trees, that's like the hardest and the most mature of all, but they were cutting this special oak that they wanted to experiment with for a street tree down to about four inches. It pushed new growth, and the new growth was used in cuttings completely successfully to make lots of these trees. I cut back my super hardy willows and shrub dogwoods in late winter to early spring so that they produce new branches, uh, sometimes called whips, and several varieties have new growth in brilliant colors, and I, I want to force these branches for winter interest in the garden. And a, a lot of the, the ones that are the most beautiful are varieties of Salix alba, the, the white willow, which is hardy from zone 4 to 9. And their stems may be red or magenta or deep purple or orange or gold, according to variety. Salix iorata has silver stems. The familiar red twig dogwood that almost everyone has seen, the Cornus alba, which is hardy zones 2 through 8, and Cornus dolinifera, also hardy from zones 2 through 8. There's many cultivated varieties with varying bark color. The variety uh, Cornus dolinifera silver and gold that was developed at Mount Cuba Center is a, it's really handsome. It, it's not, it not only has kind of a acid green yellow bark color in the winter, but it's, it's also variegated and it's a Native American dogwood. Another goal for coppicing or stooling is to produce lush foliage in summer. Now a lot of people grow purple smokebush, Cotinus cojigria, and uh, the varieties of that. And there's several that have either red or purple foliage. Now if you leave that plant alone, it gets very tall and it makes beautiful fluffy flower and seed heads. Uh, but if you cut it back, then you're going to not get flowers, unfortunately, uh, unless you cut it back every other year. But if you cut it back every year, you'll get much bigger leaves, and the color is incredibly vivid, and it'll be at eye level. And if you grow that plant in a mixed border with other flowers and and shrubs, you're going to, it's going to contribute in a different way and, and probably in a better way for that scale of a planting. Uh, I, I grow a few cotinus varieties um, and I do have a few that flower from time to time. I have a wonderful gigantic one called Grace which is a, a, a hybrid between a native species and a, a non-native species and it has kind of a blue-green silvery purple foliage and, and larger leaves. Now I also grow a Berberis called Red Cloak and Berberis like the Polonia is potentially uh, is a it's an invasive plant. So I grow it and I let it flower and the flowers are quite large and the foliage is also large. It's the largest foliage of the Berberis plants and vivid dark sort of claret red foliage 
but right after flowering, I cut it back and I cut it down to mm, maybe four to six inches. And then it pushes much bigger, it, well, it pushes new growth that goes to about three to four feet, but also much larger leaves and really vivid. And then I get the flowers if I want them, but I don't get any fruit. And the fruit, of course, has the seeds which gets around. The birds take them and it's, it is a potentially invasive plant, and that's something to really keep in mind if you want to grow it. Uh, the variegated box elder, and that's Acer nagundo, that's a tree. There's a variety called flamingo, and it's kind of a spindly tree if it gets up there. It, it does have nice variegation, sort of a gray-green with mostly white. But if you cut the plant back, it grows like a shrub, and it's jam-packed with leaves. It becomes a much denser fully leafed shrubby th the plant with a little bit of pink in the new growth. Uh, Catalpa, which is sometimes called the cigar tree, uh, and that's from the Midwest in the United States, and Polonia are traditionally grown as cutbacks. And these big trees have normally have large leaves, but when they're hard pruned, their juvenile-like growth may push leaves that are up to two feet across, certainly with the polonia. I cut back an Asian tulip poplar, Liriodendron chinense, uh, which is hardy from z zone six through nine, and that was a very successful cutback with large leaves that have uh, purple new growth. And that's what people grow that for. It's a version of the tulip tree, like our American tulip tree, but the new growth is purple. And unfortunately, that tree is flood intolerant. So I don't have that tree anymore, cutback or not. To coppice a shrub or tree, cut it back to the stump in late winter. Now, as I said, not every every plant can be cut back and not every plant is cut back every year but many can be and you can do it with several of them and on the website I'm going to have a list of candidates so you can go to kendrews.com and see which plants would make the best cutbacks uh, do not cut at or below ground level two to four inches above is the minimum in subsequent years, you can recut them and leave an inch of the branches from that first growth. If you use a saw and the bark is torn or shaggy, retrim the tissue with a utility knife so the cut is smooth. And that's kind of a general thing to think about because it does have to heal and it's difficult if it's ragged. Uh, jagged bark also exposes more area to disease organisms and it's harder for the plant to heal. And that's another reason not to cut it too low because it might stay wet being close to the soil. Uh, like the smoke bush, trees or shrubs that bloom on old wood will not flower. However, a plant such as Budlia, the butterfly bush, which blooms on new growth, will bloom. And in my zone, I cut that plant back because if, well, I, when I had them, I cut them back because they died to the ground. And I just cut off the dead foliage, but in warmer climates, they don't die back. Now, with as I mentioned, and it's really important to remember uh, that the polonia is an invasive plant if it flowers. I don't know if in my climate it would self-sow, but you know, frankly, my climate's much warmer than it used to be, so it probably would, and it's it's good for me to keep cutting this plant back. When I cut it back in late winter, uh, it just sits there 
I do it sort of in March and then several months later it doesn't sprout right away these wonderful purple shoots start to emerge from the stump uh, pretty close to the ground and I in most years I just choose one because I want that gigantic growth so I cut carefully cut off the other ones and this last year there I, there were easily a dozen shoots of new growth but I chose one in a position that I thought would be good and it slowly grows slowly it's funny when you look at it every day it's slowly when you don't look at it every day it's amazingly fast because uh, it's slow in the beginning and then all of a sudden it really takes off and the caliper the diameter of the new growth can be up to six inches it's it's really amazing and the stem is completely hollow uh, so I cut that big trunk off in March and then I've got this 12-foot thing <laughs> which I have to deal with in some way but uh, then a couple of months later I get that new growth and that wonderful tall jack-in-the-beanstalk plant and everybody says Jack and the Beanstalk, and that's what Brian said. And he said, oh, boy, uh, my daughter Emily would love to have that plant. Now, he's in Zone 5 up by Albany, and I don't know how it would work. But if I can get these little seedlings through the winter, somehow I haven't figured that out yet. I mean, ideally it would be like a very clean, cold, wouldn't have to have light because they'd be dormant, but maybe 20 degrees or something because they're in pots so their roots will freeze maybe 30 degrees 32 degrees uh, with bright light so anyone with a cold greenhouse and I've got my eye on somebody a cold frame would be great but I don't have a cold frame currently now, I do have the basement and it does get it about 50 degrees in the basement because most of it's underground but it's too damp and I think that the little trees might mold and that would be horrifying and I don't have room in the refrigerator, and that's not clean enough anyway, I think. Uh, it needs some air circulation. And the sun porch goes down to about 55 at night, and whatever the sun makes it during the day. But uh, I think that's too warm. I'm not sure it would stay dormant, and it's really important that it does stay dormant. Now, as I mentioned, uh, there's the Acer Nagundo Flamingo. There's a version of Acer Pennsylvanicum, which is moosewood or snake bark maple. There's a hybrid called Erythrocladum, and that's got red twigs and white bark. And if that's cut back, it just produces an enormous number of red stems. So that would be one for pollarding because you want to see that white bark too. But I'll tell you, that's a hard to get tree and kind of expensive, and I wouldn't do it probably, but it's one of the candidates. Uh, Alanthus, Tree of Heaven. If one of those sprouts in your backyard by itself and you think you got to get rid of it, or if you've got one, it can be cut back and then it produces bushy, large leaves and it won't flower or fruit in most cases. So you don't have the problem of it being an invasive species. It, it, would, it would make a very tropical look and if you happen to have that weed you might try it if you don't have that weed lucky you because it is a weed tree the berberus is a weed too so we have to be careful not to let that fruit now carpinus which is the european european hornbeam is famous for being made into hedges hedges because it has an endless supply of dormant buds and it also can be cut down for uh, 
cut to the height you want it for an informal deciduous hedge but it keeps its leaves like a beach in the winter so it's kind of a tawny brown and and I kind of like it it's a wonderfully flexible and versatile plant tree just to mention a few more again uh, the polonia vegas sylvatica the european beach has tons of dormant buds so that's a wonderful plant to cut back to almost well to make a hedge even though it's a tree uh, the oak can be cut back those beautiful willows with the winter growth that's just so colorful and they have to be cut back for that winter growth those are varieties of salix use uh, the taxis they also have an endless supply of dormant buds and if you've got an old taxis yew shrub that's kind of ugly you can cut that way back and it will rejuvenate tilia the linden trees they can be cut back and be sure to join me next week for another edition of ken drew's real dirt the garden show